0: know exactly where we're going to end up this evening. I'm working on something that's going to end up being a message or several messages. And I thought about doing something completely different tonight and just waiting until what I'm doing is done. But I could not get away from something that is here that I feel like I need to say tonight. I think you can sense and feel that there's an urgency. I hope that you can sense and feel the urgency. If not, I'm hoping before we finish tonight and in the coming weeks, you're going to see that sense of urgency. We have to walk with God. We have to become fishers of men. We have to reach as many people as we possibly can. The book of Hebrews is an interesting book. If you don't have any background knowledge of the Old Testament, especially of the Old Testament law... Reading through the book of Hebrews can be a little bit complex because he's writing to Jewish readers. The author is writing to Jewish readers. They would have inevitably understood the connections that were being made with Old Testament uh, Old Testament to things and being brought over into the New Testament. And he has spent five chapters prior to chapter uh, 10 here uh, showing that Christ is superior to the Old Testament priesthood that the sacrifice of Christ is superior to the Old Testament sacrifices. And he just continues in that fashion, showing you the superiority of Christ. And the reason for that, the reason for that, is because some of these to whom he is writing were abandoning the faith. They were walking away. And the reason they were walking away is because there was persecution. There were attacks on them. Uh, They were being... uh, persecuted and, and hated and despised by their own brethren because they've left the Jewish religion and they've become followers of Jesus. And that brought them into the disfavor of a lot of their own countrymen. In the process of this pressure being placed on them, they are thinking about going back to Judaism. Why don't we go back to the Old Testament way of doing things? Why don't we go back to the old sacrifices? Why don't we go back to the things that we learned growing up as Jewish children? And the apostle, the, the uh, I was about to say Apostle Paul. I don't know if Paul wrote this or not. This is a big debate: who wrote the letter of uh, Hebrews? Uh, but the the writer of this uh, particular letter is pressing upon them and saying, "Look, don't go back! Don't go back! You'll make the biggest mistake of your life! Don't go back!" The way forward is to keep following Jesus. He is superior. His sacrifice is superior. Every aspect is superior. So the point is this. They are under tremendous pressure. Uh, They're under tremendous pressure about their faith in Jesus and about abandoning that faith in Jesus and going back into Judaism. And so when you get to chapter 10, the author of Hebrews is giving them encouragement. He's trying to tell them, no, you don't want to go back, you want to go forward. He begins, if you will, in verse 22. He says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let's just stop there for a moment. Circle the word faith. What is the triad? What are the three uh, graces that uh, the apostle Paul often thinks of? Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and in love. In these three verses, 22, 23, and 24, you're going to see faith, hope, and love. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And you pick up all of that Old Testament imagery. Verse 23: Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. There's faith, there's hope. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And then he comes, verse 23, and he says, let us consider one another in order to stir up, very strong word, to agitate, not agitate in a negative way, but in a positive way, to stir up, here's our third word, love, faith, hope, and love, and do, and good works. Stir up love and good works. And so you begin to get the idea he's encouraging, he's encouraging faith, hope, and love. Don't give up. Don't walk away. Uh, Keep doing the right things. Keep following Jesus. Trust his sacrifice. Don't turn back to the Old Testament sacrifices. What Jesus has done is superior in every way, but they're under attack. By the way, where do you practice faith, hope, and love? You practice them within the body of a a congregation. So he comes in verse 25 and he says something where there's two words that I'm going to illustrate to you or point out to you, I should say, that have really been working me over, that are going to be worked into something I'm going to speak about later on this year. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Now let's just stop there for a moment. First, I want you to notice the word "assembling." It's an unusual word. It's not the normal word for church, Ecclesia. It's a compound word. Uh, it's a compound word that uses the synagogue, has a part of the synagogue in it. And those who are scholars tell us that he's talking specifically here when he says, "Don't forsake the assembling." He's talking specifically about the local, physical gathering of believers. He's talking about the local, physical gathering of believers. In other words, to strengthen your faith and to bolster your hope and to encourage your love, you don't want to forsake this local gathering of believers. Yes, when you gather There are people who know that you're gathering. Yes, when you gather, it may bring persecution to you. It may bring some measure of hardship to you because people don't like the fact that you're following Jesus and you're following the way of Jesus and you're identifying with the name of Jesus. But don't forsake that gathering, that local gathering, that physical, local gathering of believers. I want to remind you of something most of the references some would say all but i'm going to say most of the references in the new testament about the church are to local churches local congregations like us the manifestation of what we think of as an invisible church you can't attend an invisible church but the local church is the manifestation of that invisible church and he's talking about that local manifestation when he says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together and then he says next as is the manner of some what does that mean it means that some are doing that very thing some are putting themselves by being outside of the gathering of believers they are putting themselves in the position to be picked off by satan they're, they're, they're putting themselves in the position to become an apostate to the faith. They're putting themselves in the position where they will abandon Christ and his sacrifice, and they'll go back into Judaism. They're putting themselves in that position by forsaking the assembling, that local physical gathering of believers. And there are some of you that are doing that very thing. And Paul is, excuse me, the author, I got to quit saying Paul. I don't know if it's Paul or not. I'm just used to saying Paul. The author is saying to us, some of you are doing that and you're you're not supposed to be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. You follow what he says? As is the manner of some. But, here's the adversative, the opposite. Exhorting one another And so much the more as you see the day approaching, exhorting one another. Why do we come to church? We come to be encouraged. We come to be exhorted. We come to be taught. We come to fellowship. We come to worship. We come to encourage one another. We come to help each other to stay on the right path and to walk in the way of Jesus. This is not about entertainment. Though there are entertainment value, there's an entertainment value to some of the things that we do. This is not primarily about entertainment. This is about worshiping Jesus. This is about us being taught the word of God. This is about us fellowshipping with believers. This is about us being encouraged and edified and strengthened so that we will grow stronger in our faith. But here's the word that are the two words that stand, stand out. It's really a phrase, but the two words that stand out are at the end of verse 25. And so much, here are the two words, the more, not the less, so much the more, not fewer meetings, so much the more as you see the day approaching. What is the day? It's the day of the Lord's coming. It's the day of standing at the judgment seat of Christ and giving an account of our lives as to the rewards that we'll receive or will not receive. But as you see that day a coming, as you are living in a day that's like the days of Noah, and you see that day coming, he says in essence here, you don't, lead, you don't need less of the gatherings. You need more of the gatherings. Read it again. But exhorting one another and so much the more. You need more, not less. That's what he's saying. Such that what I'm saying to you, I'm preaching to the choir. That's why I'm saving this for a later message. You don't need fewer services. We need more services. We don't need fewer gatherings. We need more gatherings in a day when churches are cutting back on their services, in a day when they're cutting back on the number of services and they're cutting back on the time of the services. You realize today there are churches that aim to have a 59-minute service. That's their whole purpose, a 59-minute service. They aim to have fewer of those services. That is to offer one service but not an evening service or not a Wednesday service or not any other service. That's not, what the, that's, that's not what the writer of Hebrews says. The writer of Hebrews says, as you get closer to the day of the Lord when Jesus comes and we stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, you don't need less of those things. You need more of those things. And yet, I'm told over and over and over again. Matter of fact, researchers tell us that people will give you one hour a week for church and they won't give you more than that. If you use that hour for something else, that is the church has an activity of some other kind, and you use that hour for something else, you will not get them for the second hour of the worship service. That's what the research shows. Do you realize how dangerous that And is? I'm told that you're just knocking your head against the wall, that it's never going to move. Well, maybe so. But when I read verse 25, he doesn't say, but exhorting one another in these gatherings, the assembling of believers, this physical, local gathering of believers, exhorting one another, the less. I see him saying, you gather together the more for the encouragement that you need to be able to stay faithful in the day in which you live. You don't need less, you need more. You said, but that doesn't fit my schedule. Yeah, that's the problem. The interesting thing to me is everybody who fusses at me about having Sunday evening service, for instance. said so we don't. I had a pastor recently. This has been in the last few weeks. Pastor said to me, uh, a pastor said to me, uh, he, I couldn't believe when I told him we still had a Sunday evening service. He said, "You still have a Sunday evening service?" I said, "Yeah, we still have Sunday evening service because we have got a lot of people to come." I mean, if you had two hundred and fifty people that were coming. 200, 250 people that were coming, what would you do with them? he said, well, they only come because they're guilted in the coming. They They don't come for any other reason. They feel guilty if they don't come. If you cut it out, they'll be glad they don't have to feel guilty anymore. Those are the words he said. My wife heard them. Those are the words he said. Are you here because you're guilty, feeling guilty? I have others that say, well... I grew up in church during a time when we were at church there. We were at church every time the door was open. We were at church every time the door was open. We were just there Sunday mornings, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night. We were there Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday for revivals. And we were there on, on, uh, on uh, the, well, I don't know what other day there is, whatever day there are, all the things that are going on. We were there all the time and we just decided we didn't need that much church. How's that working out for you? Is the world a better place? Is your family in better shape? You said that the things would get better if you came less and you focused more on your family. And so from the 70s to the early 2000s, we had James Dobson, whom I love, by the way. Thank God for him. Focus on the family. I still hear the song playing in my head. Turn your heart toward home. Turn your heart toward home. And there was definitely a need in that period of time of turning our hearts toward home because people were neglecting their children. But today, we have people that have turned their hearts so far to their family that their family has become an idol. They'll literally drive thousands of miles and spend thousands of dollars and they won't get up on Sunday morning to come to church. So the way to solve that is to do Less, right? That's not what the writer of Hebrews says. The writer of Hebrews says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So let me ask you a question Do you see the day approaching? I'm almost done here. Do you see the day approaching? Get your head out of the sand. If you don't see the day approaching, you're not looking. It's coming. It's closer than it's ever been. The day is approaching. I don't know if it'll be 2024 or it'll be 2030 or 2034. I don't don't know. But I know we're closer than we've ever been before. We don't need less of the things of God. We need more of the things of God. Because giving people less hasn't solved the problem of them walking with God. And giving them more, if they're just going through the motions, won't solve the problem. But the reality is, we need more opportunities to be encouraged, to be edified, to be taught, to be convicted. We need more opportunities to grow. We need more fellowship with believers, not less fellowship with believers. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that it's required that you have a Sunday night service. But it is saying that whenever the church is gathering, the people of God ought to be gathering with the church. That's what it's saying. And the reality is, they in this particular century, in this first century, didn't need fewer gatherings, they needed more gatherings because they needed more encouragement and more help and more instruction. Do you get my point? So that in a day in which we're living, when we keep minimizing spiritual things and maximizing everything else what we've done is we've left people vulnerable to the destruction of satan to the persecution around them and they're getting picked off right and left by the way i will tell you that i think a lot of people that are attending our churches today are just simply lost they just don't know jesus They just—they don't know Jesus. They have no relationship to Jesus. They prayed a prayer. Hear hear me carefully. They prayed a prayer, but they didn't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They went through the motions, but they didn't trust in Jesus as the Savior to give them the gift of eternal life. And so we just ask for less. You know, I want less. Let's just dumb it down a little bit. Let's, let's, Let's have less of it. Let's, let's have less impact from it. Let's keep it shorter. You say, Pastor, you're going to keep the Sunday night service? Well, yeah, probably. But if we ever not have a Sunday night service, we're going to be doing something else. We're not, gonna, we're not looking to do less. We need to do more in 24. Do you get the point? I finally got there. We need to do more in 24, not less. We need to be saying, God, how are more ways, what are more ways for me to be able to connect with the body of Christ? I need more of it. I don't need less of it. Such that my heart is burdened. My heart is burdened for the direction of a lot of Christians. My heart is burdened for a lot of people that are religious, but they're lost. They're going to awaken, believing that they're going to hell. Have you noticed that when you read the obituaries, everybody has met Jesus? Everybody's met Jesus. Well, there's a sense in which everybody meets Jesus. But not everybody that meets Jesus in the newspaper met Jesus and got invited into heaven. Only those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ And if you don't believe that it's more important today for us to have more and not less, then you're not talking to people. Where Christianity is not even clearly explained, the cost of discipleship is never discussed, the conditions of salvation are confusing at best and most of the time not made at all. We have to do more, folks, in 24. We have to do more. Isn't that what happens? I'm going to get off into this thing, and I'm not supposed to do that. supposed to be through a quarter till in this quarter till right now. What does he say at the end of 1 Corinthians 15? Anybody ever studied the book of 1 Corinthians? (laughs) A long chapter on the resurrection. First the resurrection of Jesus, and then the resurrection of all believers. And then he says to the grieving, he says... What does he say? First Corinthians chapter 15. Do you know it? At the end, the very last verse. He said, let us. What's the word? What's the word? starts with an A. Let us abound in the work of the Lord. Let us abound in the work of the Lord. Do you get the idea here? More abound, this is not about less, this is about more. Why don't we want more of Jesus? That's a great question to ask, isn't it?